Welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLocos.net Minor League Baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live for the 100th time from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. I am joined today by the founder, creator, editor of SportsLogos.net, who gave me my start in this industry, Chris Creamer. Chris, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Paul. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Should Can I sing a song? It? Do I need to sing a song? Happy 100th episode to you. I think, actually, we owe someone a lot of money now that you did that. Actually. Oh, so, isn't it? No, no, those are original lyrics. Yeah. We're, oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it's a, We'll call it a parody. That's right. Riss. Yes. Good morning. Good morning from good morning. Colorado. We are here at, uh, it's a huge party here at Baseball by Design headquarters. It's like a it's like a political night with like balloons and bands and I reporters and I see yeah. it. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, things are flying everywhere. I can see CNN over your left shoulder, <laughs> MSNBC over your right. It's it's just amazing going on. I wish I could be there, but of course my uh, my visa expired quite some time ago, and and I just yeah, couldn't yeah. cross the border. You know, we've really locked down the borders with Toronto here. It's uh, it's one of the things uh, you know that that baseball by design promised to get done, and we made it happen. So uh, you're well, welcome, America. I mean, the campaign promises kept. <laughs> Al Caputo. <laughs> well, okay, so let me let's. Uh, there's a lot of things that that we can talk about here today. We've got a whole list, but since we're talking about borders, I recently got to take in my second ever Vancouver Canadians game. It was my fourth ever baseball game in Canada. I, I've seen the Quebec Capitals. I've been to one Montreal Expos game and now two Vancouver Canadians games. It was, uh, you know, it's such a fun experience. And, uh, you know, I totally, totally love when they sing the the Canadian national anthem, which we talked about on, on the last episode. But, man, the fans really get into it. The fans really get into singing the national anthem, uh, the Canadian national anthem. Is that true everywhere? Or is that just a Vancouver thing? Like when you go to a sporting event in Canada, is that, do you see that? Oh yeah. Yeah. They sing before every game. And I don't know if this is just a Canadian thing. So forgive me if this is something you do in the U S but they teach us in school to sing the anthem every day and you're all expected to sing it. So mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just, it's just sort of raised in us to, to do that. But, um, do you guys not sing the anthem every day or uh, do we sing the anthem? I don't think we sing the anthem every day at school. We say the Pledge of Allegiance. OK, but, uh, you know, and we obviously all learn the national anthem. But, uh, you know, the Canadian fans were just singing it so, so heartily. And uh, and it was it was true at both both times I went to a Canadians game. It was true. And then I got to 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 do the full Canadian experience, right? Like I was having a beer. You saw the pictures. I think you even commented on it. I was having poutine at a at yes. a game in Canada. There you go. It took us less than a minute, Chris, to get to our first poutine reference. I apologize for that. But the uh, the the trip to Canada that we made uh, was uh, yeah, it was really uh, it was really a fantastic experience. And and Vancouver is such a beautiful place. I, acknowledging again, it's not close to where you are. No, <laughs> not at all. You're so, closer to Vancouver than I am. Yeah. Uh, I've never actually been to Vancouver. Uh, it's on my list. I'd love to go there someday. It looks like my kind of town, uh, but I'm glad you got to come up here and uh, it'd be nice to have you in my neck of the woods next time you, you go for a trip. We have baseball teams here. We have a whole baseball league in uh, Ontario. It's not affiliated. It's an independent league. Yeah. And it's, uh, 
you'd probably chuckle at it when you go to some of the games because it's so uh, small. But the Intercounty Baseball League, it's where the Toronto Maple Leafs play now, the old uh, minor league team. So we're keeping that identity alive uh, as much as we can in this little tiny league we have. But we'd love to have you up here. I'd love to show you around and show you what minor league baseball in Canada looks like these days. Well, and the Toronto Blue Jays, that's one of nine major league ballparks that I have not been to. So that is... Uh, it seems like you're just begging to come up here. Are the Rockies just, coming up to, to Toronto next year? I don't know about the Rockies, but I'll check in on the Phillies to see if right. the Phillies are going to make it to Toronto. So oh, it's, I, yeah, I, I don't... I keep forgetting you're a Phillies fan primarily. Well, I don't talk about it very much. So it's, <laughs> uh... <laughs> Well, okay, so let's let's talk about this, actually. Let's talk a little bit about the Phillies here. Uh, we're going to get into Chris Creamer, the person on on this episode. Chris, it's playoff time. At the time mm. of this recording, uh, you know this is it's going to be a couple of weeks before this drops. But at the time of this recording, there are eight teams still technically alive in the Major League Baseball playoffs. My Phillies are one of them for the moment. There are a lot of uniforms out there uh, that Major League teams are wearing, and I've seen like the uh, the the Devil Rays wore their Devil Rays throwbacks that didn't help them any, but they wore their throwbacks. Those are awesome. They played like the Devil Rays in that game. <laughs> yes, they did. I'm curious to know from you, in general, mm -hmm. do you subscribe to? I'm not going to ask you if you believe in them, but do you subscribe to jinxes? Do you wear certain shirts on certain days? Do you think teams? play better or play worse. I think the Mariners probably have the most famous example of like a specific uniform that they've had really bad luck in. Do you subscribe to jinxes? Do you think major league baseball teams have lucky uniforms or no? I think they think they do. Mm. Uh, whether or not they actually do is another question. Uh, personally, I, on a, on a Blue Jays playoff day, for example, I will always wear the same jersey when I wake up and I'll wear it throughout the whole day. I don't care if I'm wearing it two, three, four days in a row, I'll wear it. Um, lately, I haven't been wearing it too many days in a row, but uh, it's an old retro powder Blue Jays jersey. Uh, and I will follow through on that if I remember to do it. Mm. <laughs> so what I'm saying is the jinx is only real if I'm actually thinking about the jinx. If I don't think about it, it has absolutely no effect on the game. Uh, Major League teams, though, um, you know, going back to your Phillies, uh, they've subscribed to a couple of jinxes over the years in terms of uniforms. Uh, the Saturday night specials, I'm sure you've heard all about those, the all maroon or burgundy uh, outfits. Uh, that, uh, And this is probably my favorite uh, uniform jinx story is the Saturday night special in that uh, the, what they wore it in 1979 is that right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they famously they showed up in uh in todd's book <laughs> do you have one handy todd famously showed up in todd radom's winning ugly which i happen I'm, to have right I'm here hap i'm happy to plug anything todd works on on your show have it right here next to fabric of the game which uh has Fantastic. you as a co-author so oh. uh yeah keep these keep <laughs> these right here <laughs> always handy by the camera uh <laughs> So the Phillies, right, 79, they wore the Saturday night special uniforms. If I recall correctly, they blew a four-run lead, and they said, well, that's it. We're never wearing these again. Uh, 40 years later, they tempt the uniform gods. <laughs> and they bring them back out, and they're playing the Braves. And what happens? They're down 15-1 to 1 by the fifth inning. And that's it. I, as soon as that happened, I'm, okay, that's it. You're never wearing them again. The uniform jinx is is real. and uh... Apparently. At the time of this recording, the Phillies blew a four-run lead in a playoff game last night. So With, without the burgundy uniforms, so without, was it yeah. was it the uniform or was it just the Phillies? I, don't I know. think it was the bullpen. 
There's the, <laughs> the Phillies bullpen. Do Phillies, does the Phillies bullpen typically collapse? I can't remember any specific playoff references. It's over my shoulder over there. Um, <laughs> uh, and now, so that that took us what eight minutes to get into the first Joe Carter taunting. So that's I a... can't help myself. Paul and Todd will back up my story on this. He and I uh, were hanging out in Philadelphia back in May. He was uh, taking me to uh, when the Jays were in Philadelphia back then. And uh, he and I got into an Uber or a Lyft or one of those ride-sharing cars. And uh, the driver sees my Jays cap. And uh, he goes, oh, man, Joe Carter. You know, Joe Carter. Oh, man, I was in tears that night. And I turned to Todd and I was like, yeah, I was in tears that night, too. (laughs) He stops the car, pulls over, turns around and goes, we got jokes, do we? (laughs) No, we don't have jokes. Everything's fine. Let's go to the ball game. Uh, your Philly accent is is spot on, Chris. Well, I hate we to interrupt. Got jokes, do we? Sorry, <laughs> Chris. I hate to interrupt, but uh, in on, in honor of the 100th episode, we have some celebrities calling in, and so uh, we're going to our first celebrity call right now. I can't believe who this is. Hi, Paul. This is former Rookie of the Year and NL MVP, Philadelphia Phillies first baseman and postseason hero, Bryce Harper. Just calling to say congratulations on your 100th episode. This is not a clown podcast, bro. Wow. What a call. That was amazing. I can't believe Bryce Harper a day after. His bullpen blew a four-run lead. I know. He's calling know. into this show. Well, I mean, hey, good for him, though. He, he, he knows who the real stars are. He loves the fans. He loves the fans. Absolutely. Let's stay on uh, on Major League Baseball here. One of the things that I find really appalling about this uh, Phillies-Braves series that's going on right now, the quick Crete ads on the sleeves for the Braves. What do we do? I mean, I understand that you're going to have ads on sports uniforms, that that's coming. But like the bright yellow quick creed ad is like a really particularly egregious example of like just an ad that just is awful and does not fit. Is there a way to 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 force these ads to comply to a certain color palette? Are, are, are we just doomed for baseball to look like NASCAR? I I would hope Major League Baseball would step in here and say, look, we're allowing you to put ads on uniforms, but at least make them look good to the Ugh. uniforms, right? Like your your visual identity, your brand, that's all part of the package, which makes you look Major League. And sticking a big giant ad on your sleeve that doesn't match the uniform at all is not very Major League to me. It looks very yeah. minor league-ish. It doesn't look professional whatsoever. Um, you know, the Braves with their big giant yellow ad. My Blue Jays, again, with their big neon green square that they wear on their sleeves now, which is, oh, don't get me started. (laughs) I did get you started. That was the whole point of the question. (laughs) (laughs) You and Bryce Harper. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the Mets, the Mets, I feel like the Mets, somebody like turned on a light switch in in the front office there. When they saw (laughs) what their ad was going to look like on their uniform, they actually listened to their fans and said, Mm -hmm. okay, we're completely redesigning this. Wow. They, They turned the color scheme to Mets colors and put it back out on the field. And, you know, it's still an ad, it's still there, but it's not quite as jarring or, yeah. or minor league-ish, not to use that as an offensive term on, on your particular program, but <laughs> it works. It works a lot better. The Cardinals did something similar where they actually changed the background of the patch to match like the, the cream uniforms have the cream patch on it. And, and it can be done. Uh, I don't know why it's not being done more often, 
but these teams, they're not making that much money off these ads right. relative to their revenues, right? We're talking what, maybe three, $4 million a year, which would be life-changing for a fellow like me. <laughs> right. What's three to $4 million a year to a baseball team is let's increase the price of a hot dog by 50 cents. Right. Let's increase, let's add a 50 cent, no uniform ad fee to every ticket. There's your three to $4 million a year and you don't have a <laughs> uniform ad. I don't think people would mind paying an extra 50 cents per ticket in order to have a clean uniform sleeve. But that's just what, That would be an interesting poll to take actually. Like would, would you pay 50 cents so that these impoverished baseball teams don't have to have advertising on their, on their sleeves? I, you know, I mean, the funny thing about that is, and Todd Radom and I, speaking of Todd, we have kind of joked about this on Twitter a little bit. Todd is now very famously a Philadelphia resident, mm-hmm. and he's he is he's embracing Philadelphia dumb the way Bryce Harper has embraced Philadelphia dumb, right? Like, I don't know if he's wearing like the fanatic bandana and socks the way that Harper does, but he's you know he's really getting into the Philly dumb. So when he talks about the Phillies someday having ads on their uniforms which I think is kind of inevitable, right? Yep. He talks about like Wawa, Tasty Cake, you know, some, uh, you know, Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer or whatever, some like uniquely, maybe Yingling, some yeah. uniquely like Philadelphia thing that actually would maybe even enhance the brand a little bit rather than just being just an awful detraction. This quick Crete one, and maybe it's just because I find the Braves just objectionable as a baseball team. This quick creep one is really particularly bad in my mind. And, you know, you're, you're not up for the big yellow sack of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> That's not doing it for you. <laughs> it's just like it's so bright. And it's like, I mean, I understand that you're supposed to do that with like it's like they designed the ad like it was one of those flyers in the 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 airport, you know, trifold brochure case where you're trying to like compete with all the other trifold brochures. And it's like, let's make it the brightest color and the boldest font so that everyone sees ours first. And, you know, and and that's what they put on the left shoulder of the Atlanta Braves pitchers. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, but I mean, it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's happening. Yeah. Uh, but if it is going to happen, I hope they all do it like um, the Cardinals and the Mets have done and actually make them make them blend in with the uniform, make it look like it's part of the uniform. Not quite as big of a deal. The Padres, they recolored nicely, but they made the uniform so bloody gigantic or the patch so <laughs> gigantic. That it kind of takes away from it. Chris, let's go back to the phones. we got another call coming in. Really? Okay, let's go. Hi, Paul. This is noted actor and filmmaker Tom Hanks. You may remember me from such films as The Man with One Red Shoe, Castaway, and Toy Story 1 through 4. I would put your accomplishment of 100 podcast episodes right up there with my two consecutive Best Actor Academy Awards, as well as my American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award and Presidential Medal of Freedom. Congratulations to both of us. Wow, Tom Hanks. Can you believe it? Tom Hanks. What? Speaking of Philadelphia. (laughs) Speaking of Philadelphia, Tom Hanks. Philadelphia, Tom Hanks calls in. That guy. What my favorite Tom Hanks movie is? Was that? I was going to ask you what your favorite Tom Hanks movie was. Oh, man, there's so many. Well, you know, I like Catch Me If You Can. I I love that film Mm. where he's Mm -hmm. chasing Leo through uh, all over the world. And and the fact that it's, you know, back in the 50s and 60s and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I really like that movie. But Tom Hanks, I mean, never a clunker with that guy. That's true. That's true. I would say my my favorite. It's not a movie. Uh, I would say Bosom Buddies. But hey, okay, a little before my time, but that's okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I'm older than you. I, I sometimes for forget that. 
I didn't want to say anything, but we all thought it. Yeah. Well, you know, I was I was a fully formed grown up when Joe Carter hit that home run. I was I don't know if that's true. I was in college, actually. So and in tears. Uh, we were all crying that night. There was a guy we were watching it in my dorm room on like a 13 inch television. And there mm. was like there were like eight people there. I was the only active Phillies fan. Most everyone was just an interested observer. But I remember there was this one guy, Zach. I was a junior. He was a freshman. And Joe Carter comes up and and he actually says out loud, he's like, Joe Carter, speaking of jinxes, Joe Carter, there's a guy who could hit a home run. <laughs> uh, do you talk to that guy anymore? That's no, kind of... I haven't talked to him in years, actually. I think no, not, uh, the... not since October 25th, 1993. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally enough, I, I do like so from my point of view, we I was watching that game uh, in the basement of my house. I was 11. Um, I remember my dad was on one side of the room and I was on the other. I was shooting uh, balls against the wall because I'm Canadian, mm -hmm. the hockey stick. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, I just remember uh, I looked over at the TV and I said, home run and they win it. <laughs> and they hit it out. But then I uh, spent the rest of the night hyperventilating. Oh, like, no I kidding. Like, I was like so for excited. real, like it was so exciting, yeah. even though they had already won the year before. Yeah, well, this one was a little more exciting. It was at home. It was you know, with the yeah. fireworks and everything. It was a big night, you know, yes. and I was at that age, 11 years old, baseball fan, hooked for life at that point, right? Yeah. I Very was seven when the Phillies won in 1980. Do you remember and, it all? Uh, yes, uh, though I was actually not allowed to stay up for the ending of all of the games. And so, yeah, oh. yeah. Still, still a point of contention. My parents did not realize it, it was going to be 28 years before the Phillies won another World Series. So. <laughs> it's, it's key to bring that up as often as possible. <laughs> Uh, they were uh, they reran it. I remember on like PBS, and they uh, and I was allowed to stay up and watch it on on PBS when they reran it. And I think my parents, I think my dad in particular, regrets that he and I went to a game in 1993 uh, mm -hmm. when the Phillies played the Braves in the World Series. The Phillies lost that game. I'm sorry, not in the World Series, in the in the National League Championship Series. The Phillies lost that game 14 to three. They were losing two nothing before we even got to our seats. And we were up in the like literally the 700 level of Veterans Stadium, which is, you know, you might as well just be listening on the radio at that point. And uh, it was a pretty miserable experience. And it was one of those series the Phillies won the series four games to two, but they got outscored by like 10 runs because the losses were like, one game. huge blowouts. Yeah. Well, if you're going to lose, lose big, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it all up in, in one game and then, That's you right. know, and then move on. <laughs> but speaking of life experience and, and old, you know, old baseball experiences, you know, I, I mentioned that I was in Canada, got to go see the Vancouver Canadians. That was part of my baseball Palooza road trip. Have you taken any any big baseball road trips in your lifetime with friends or family? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, quite a few. Uh, I haven't done the multi-stop trips, but I've mm -hmm. gone on trips for baseball. Uh, okay. uh, the first one I can remember is, you know, I was, I think I was nine years old, just turned nine. Uh, my dad grabbed my brother and I and drove up the 401 to Montreal, where we saw the Expos play the Astros uh, back when Houston was still wearing their uh, rainbow striped on the sleeves, not the uh, not the big ones. This is back in 91. All right. And uh, sorry, is there a phone call coming in? No, not yet. Not yet. No, oh, I'm expecting another one soon, though. OK, OK. Uh, <laughs> so went to Olympic Stadium, my first National League game. I remember being excited about that. And the roof was not on Olympic Stadium for that month. They were doing like renovations or something. So the stadium was topless for that month. And 
uh, there was a rain delay. So I got to go <laughs> to a rain delay at Olympic Stadium in 1991. Uh, I remember sitting out in the concourse, eating a hot dog out of a styrofoam container, waiting for the game to start up. And it didn't come back on till after midnight. And uh, Kurt Schilling came in as a rookie in relief for Houston. Uh, my dad tells me Larry Walker smoked a home run to the upper deck. I don't really remember that. Uh, but, you know, very memorable experience doing that. And um, and then, you know, later on, we would go every year when the Jays went to Montreal as a family. And then once it looked like the Expos were, you know, not long for this world, we started going up for the last home game every year in Montreal. Hmm. We did that 02, 03, and then 04 when it finally was the last one. And um, some good memories there. I remember in 03, uh, the whole crowd booed Frank Robinson when he came out to uh, – make a pitching change because he took Vladdy senior out of the game a little uh, early. Um, and uh, in 04, when everyone threw golf balls onto the field, uh, when they found out the team was moving. Uh, but uh, the 04 game, it was, it was pretty depressing just because everyone around you was, was in tears. It was like watching a funeral. Uh, the fans there were crying. Um, yeah. And I do feel sorry for the Expos fans because uh, if that, you've been to an Expos game, and I don't know if you had mm -hmm. the same experience, but Expos fans were, like none other, like they would get up in their seats and dance and they would, they would uh, play, uh, they, they would hang on the seats to make noise. And it was just a, a different atmosphere and hearing all the announcements uh, in French was, was a special experience as well. Um, but that stadium was so terrible. It was a horrible stadium in a horrible part of the city, uh, far from everything, far from everyone. And uh, Montreal deserves a second shot, uh, not to go off topic, but mm. Uh, anyone who just looked at the attendance and said, well, Montreal failed, it, it's a little more nuanced than that. It was a terrible stadium with terrible ownership, and um, MLB didn't really give him a fair shake. And I'd, I'd love to see him get a second chance with a real stadium downtown where everyone can go to the games. I'm fully on board with that. I would absolutely support that. I love the idea of if Major League Baseball expands or if a team moves, sending one to Montreal. I think Montreal should have first dibs on on a new team. I would love to see that. That'd be fantastic. I don't think it's ever going to happen, unfortunately, but um, that would be, hmm. but, but, hold on before the phone rings. Cause I can hear it ringing in the background. Your operators are getting ready to patch it through. <laughs> um, if I could do my, my impression of the Expos PA announcer introducing Vladimir Guerrero coming up to the plate. Absolutely. I want to hear it. All right. <clears throat> I've been working on this for 20 some odd years <laughs> and uh, apologies to our French listeners. If I butcher any of this, <clears throat> Le prochain frappeur, the next batter, le voltigeur droit, right fielder, number 27, numero 27, Vladimir Guerrero. Ladies and gentlemen, what a, this, that just contributes to the festive uh, atmosphere today that we're celebrating uh, here on the 100th episode. They're all waving, they're saying, good job. CNN and loved that. CNN, CNN. CNN went, went live to that. They ran subtitles under the, uh, under the French portion of it. That, uh, you know, one of the main ways I have used my French major, which was my college major, was, was French. One of the main ways I used that was when I tried to move to Montreal in 2001, mm -hmm. I did not have a TV service where that allowed me to watch the World Series. And so I listened to the Yankees Diamondbacks 2001 World Series in French on the radio. And so, uh, yeah, so words like uh, circuit and frapper and all that, like it was... Uh... Luis Gonzalez, <laughs> le gagnant frapper pour uh, la série Monday, les uh, de Arizona. <laughs> Chris, you're right. Hey, the phone. Hey, that, sorry, oh, I was going to say quickly before the phone, you pick up the phone, that speaks to the problem of baseball in Montreal as well, right? You couldn't even watch the World Series on TV. Yeah. 
Netflix. Yeah, no, I couldn't watch it on TV. I had to watch. Uh, I was I was watching repeats uh, of news radio uh, instead, and then I had That's the. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty good show. Uh, okay, but this phone has been ringing and ringing and ringing. Here Sorry. we go. Get to it. Hey, Paul, this is popular musician Justin Timberlake, and I can't stop the feeling that 100 episodes is a pretty big deal, and I would cry me a river if I didn't have Baseball by Design in my podcast queue every Tuesday morning. Chris, I got to be honest. Justin Timberlake is calling all the time. It gets a little yeah. bit tiresome, actually. So, I mean, come yeah. on. He's too busy planning that NSYNC reunion. He should be leaving you alone. He should be leaving me alone. He should know that this is, you know, this is the hundredth episode. We got things to talk about. So come on, Justin, let's go. Justin. Okay. Well, anyway, thanks, Justin. I appreciate the sentiment, I guess. Whatever, Justin. Whatever, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of minor league baseball, minor league baseball, very recently. Are talking about minor league baseball? Mm, well, I guess it's technically the subject matter of this podcast is, right. uh, is minor league baseball. Speaking in so, general of minor league baseball. Uh, what if I give myself a new segue there? I'll say getting back to minor league baseball. I mean, all hey. of this stays in, you know, none of that gets edited out, but getting back to minor league baseball, the uh, minor league baseball just recently unveiled uh, a brand new league wide or, or minor league baseball the, for the 120 affiliated teams a new logo, which you covered extensively on sportslogos.net. I don't want to prejudice you with my questions. I'm sure you formulated your own opinions. What do you think? Well, it's a little disappointing, right? Hmm. It's got to be. There's no way you can look at that and get excited about the new minor league baseball logo right. with all apologies to whoever designed it. I'm not sure who did, but you know what you did. And <laughs> you you can't help it. You were told what to do and you yeah. did what you were told. So don't yeah. feel bad. Um, <laughs> it's, that was intense. I wish the listeners could could see the look in your eye when you I, said, you know what you did. That was, I, went from, that was I went from staring at your picture <laughs> to staring directly into the camera <laughs> because it was serious. Uh, you know, to me, minor league baseball is fun. Minor league baseball is chill. It's a place where people go to watch the game, but you, you, I mean, it's not the end of the world if your team loses. Uh, I like to go and relax and just enjoy baseball. When I see the Major League Baseball logo, I do not feel relaxed. I do not feel <laughs> like I can just chill and unwind. Um, I feel like this is super serious baseball that every pitch matters. And if my team loses, I'm very upset. Uh, it feels a little corporate to me. Mm -hmm. uh, minor League Baseball, again, is supposed to be fun and relaxed. Now it feels very corporate, serious. This is this is real baseball, which okay, yes, it is, but mm -hmm. it's it it feels cold, and it doesn't yeah. help that the color scheme is blue and slightly different blue. <laughs> it's it's a very cold corporate yeah. uh, logo for a league that is supposed to be fun and carefree and and, and whatever. Um, why did they have to use the same batter? Why couldn't they use the minor league batter uh right. why why did they move the batter forward a step towards the pitcher i don't uh -huh. understand that now it just looks off center was it change for the sake of change here we just wanted to look a little different from the major league logo now it looks off balance uh why couldn't they arc the four stars over the batter like they did with the previous minor league baseball logos instead uh -huh. of stacking them on the side i don't like any of it um i mean 
yes, it's a better designed logo than the previous logo, but for what it's representing and what it already has represented, it doesn't work for minor league baseball, in my opinion. And as a fan of logos, I like unique logos. So give me a unique logo. Yeah. That just rehashing the same one over and over again. Yeah, let, let's try marketing speak. You're diluting your brand, Major League Baseball, <laughs> applying your logo to another league. Well, all of that, all of that, yes. And as someone, you know, I mean, you and I both cover minor league baseball uh, on sportslogos.net. I, I contribute to the website by, by writing about minor league baseball. One of my fears with Major League Baseball's Vogon Destructor Fleet takeover of minor league baseball is that they're going to try to make the two too similar and to uh, especially from a branding perspective right like and i feel like we kind of saw this a little bit with the space cowboys which is not an objectively bad brand but it loses some of the sort of wackiness that that has made minor league baseball fun and this like for major league baseball to be like we're using the same player silhouette uh, for this logo, uh, you know, and the minor league baseball logo is like, we are going to take branding in minor league baseball and make it more like major league baseball. And that just worries me, like for what it signifies. I mean, I think that like exactly like you say, that's it's it's worrisome and I don't like it. Uh, I, I have noticed and I don't know if you, like, you're a my minor league reporter, so I might have to touch base with you on this one. But since major league baseball's, you can say takeover of minor league baseball, it feels like there's a lot fewer of these wacky identities that are coming in mm -hmm. uh now that might be because well every team already has a wacky identity in minor league baseball and the, the course just sort of <laughs> ran out but uh, you know you don't see as many of those alternate identities anymore as you used to um the uh boy they really whiffed on that defenders of the diamond promotion that they boy, did. did they ever yeah oh boy uh, so it might be that, uh, major league baseball stepping in and saying, all right, pump the brakes on the silliness here. We're a professional corporate organization yeah. here. And, and our teams are, are not sawed poodles. They are Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, and even for the brands that aren't like just their parent club names, I don't know. I, I worry about it. And talking to the designers who I get to talk to when I do this podcast, which is so much fun for me. Uh, you know, they, they talk about a, everything taking much longer to approve the, the, this process, you know, everyone gets so excited for logo Vember. I don't think we're going to see a huge logo Vember, right? Like, I don't think we have a bunch of stuff in the works and, you know, I'll talk to designers and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I got this project coming up. Check it out in a year and a half. <laughs> and like, they're not joking. They're like, yeah, I'll get back to you. Um, Chris, last one. We got what the phone's ringing one more time. We'll, we'll take that sounds, like, that sounds like a special ring. Like it's this is a special ring. This is this yeah. is the red phone here. Hello, Paul. This is President Barack Obama, and I want to say congratulations on this, the occasion of your 100th episode of the Baseball by Design podcast. If you ever do an episode about my favorite team, the Chicago White Sox, you have my number. Holy smokes. What an honor. Me? Are you kidding me? What an honor. I've never spoken to a president before. That was amazing. I would, I would recognize that voice anywhere. What yeah. a Barack Obama calling in. Incredible. Wow. Well, I, I'm, that's how, how, I mean, that's a good way to finish things with the president calling in. I think so. I wonder if we can a get, uh, 
get uh, Trudeau to call in though. Maybe <laughs> he, he's got a lot on his plate right now. He's doing some things. <laughs> All right, Chris, I, I, I want to ask you one last question just because yeah. this is sort of a fun, I don't know. This is a fun thing to talk about. We're trying to get to know Chris Creamer here. When you go to a ball game, what are your favorite concessions? I'm a pretty simple guy. I like a hot dog and a beer, you know, I, yeah. it's pretty boring. Uh, the Rogers center a few years back had this, foot long that they smothered in baked beans and maple syrup and, and little bacon bits. And uh, I loved that to back when I could handle it. Uh, not so much anymore. Uh, I, I did, uh, you know, I'm taking my boy to games now. Uh, he's 10 years old mm. and uh, he walked past a stand and he saw a foot long hot dog and he's like, I got to get one of those. I'm, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can finish. Uh. Guess you ended up eating a foot long and a half. Oh my god! <laughs> so you each got one though. That's all right. We each got right. a foot long. As like, all right, come on. And then uh, he didn't finish half of his. And then of course he puts uh, toppings I don't like on his entire foot long. So I gotta, I gotta swallow that. What are the <laughs> toppings you don't like? I don't like mustard or relish. Oh, okay. Don't no judgment. This is a judgment free zone. It's a judgment free zone. I don't I actually. Am, I don't. Really... You know, in Chicago they're gonna hate me, but I love ketchup on a hot dog. Oh boy. Okay. Now we're getting into some controversy. Okay. Sorry, Chicago. Yeah. That's all right. They'll be okay. They'll get over it. Uh, I mean, they put actual tomato slices on their hot dogs. So like they can't complain about ketchup that it's much. Ketchup. Right? It's just it's... ketchup, uh, deconstructed ketchup or reconstructed ketchup. Sorry. <laughs> pre pre-constructed ketchup, maybe constructed ketchup. That's right. <laughs> Chicagoans love pre-constructed ketchup on their hot dogs. I uh... might angry letters after that. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm gonna tell. I'm just gonna take that little snippet of audio and use it to uh, to promote this episode. So. It's the truth. <laughs> Live with it. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, you have now been on episode one, episode mm -hmm. fifty, and episode number one hundred. So maybe we'll have you on for uh, for an odd number sometime. But uh, uh, you know, I, I don't like that idea. You are you are Mister Round Number on the baseball by Round box. Number. There we go. I love it. And and I'm only seven uh, appearances away from getting a free ice cream sundae. That's true. Yeah, yeah. we send it to you in the mail. The, uh, hopefully, there won't be too many delays. Uh, you know, in the, in the in the post. I'll, so. I'll let you know what happens. <laughs> Sometime next time you're on, I'll have to tell you about how we got through uh, customs in a van, a rental van that had no tags. We had no temporary tags. We had no license plate. And uh, it was just a van full of dudes. And they were like, eh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and guess this was previous to 2001. This was August of this year. I want to hear this story. Yes, okay. yes, yes. I'll have to, okay. I'll have to have yep. me back. Episode 150, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for for offering me the the platform to write about minor league baseball. It's one of my favorite things. And uh, it launched this fun, fun baseball by design project. I appreciate the role that you played in all that. I don't thank me for that. I, I have to thank you for everything you've done. Your coverage is amazing and I love it. And I want you to do it uh, forever. If you would, would you? I will do it forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, right. that, you a that. Verbal contract is binding. Contract. So now, yeah. now I'm signed on forever. It's on the record. Everyone has heard it. <laughs> all right. Well, everyone go check out sportslogos.net. Check it out on Twitter. Check it out on Instagram and Facebook. It's uh, I can't imagine that anyone who listens to this podcast doesn't know that already, but sportslogos.net is where you can find Chris. Chris, thank you so much. This has been fun. Thanks, Paul. I love it. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Party Central. We are partying deep into the night here in the recording studios of Baseball by Design. So glad to be joined once again 
as always, now for the 40th time in a row for Studio Simon Stumpers, my good friend, Dan Simon of Studio Simon. Dan, welcome. Thanks for joining the uh, the celebration here, the 100th episode celebration. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here for the 100th episode. Um, and you just mentioned, I did not know this was the 40th uh, Studio Simon Stumper, but that means at some point, hopefully, there will be a 100th. And I guess we're going to have to have a whole episode um, dedicated to that. This is, it also doesn't count the double stumpers. So I'm just, this is the 40th installment of Studio Simon Stumpers, but it also doesn't count the many, many times you've been on this podcast. And if I may be sincere for a moment, Dan, this uh, one of the great joys that I've gotten out of doing this podcast now for 100 episodes and for writing for sportslogos.net. We just talked with Chris Creamer, who is the uh, the founder and owner of, of sportslogos.net. One of the great joys I've had from getting to do that is getting to know you and and developing what I consider to be a great friendship. Well, the feeling is 100% mutual. Um, I can't say it better than that. That's that I echo every sentiment you just voiced. Which yeah. is really all I want out of my friends. I just want them to agree with everything that I say. <laughs> just just go ahead and echo uh, echo my sentiments exactly and uh, then we'll get along. And that's maybe one of the reasons that we get along so well is because I agree with everything you say. I don't know that that's entirely true, but uh, but anyway, Dan, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. And uh, for for I know that these these stumpers take work, right? Like this is not just you don't just roll out of bed and then, you know, turn on Zoom in the morning to 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 have these stumpers. They they take work. You can tell that they take research. And so I appreciate all the the work that you do to make these happen. Well, they do indeed take take work, but as is my full time job, uh, doing doing these trivia questions is is a labor of love. Um, you know what? Doing a podcast isn't easy either. It's clear that you do your homework before each episode, and that's what makes for a very enjoyable podcast it's not you're not just winging it dan i appreciate it's, your kind words thank you well you're very welcome so uh so you're ep- reaching 100 episodes that is a notable number and so let's talk about notable numbers um and and you mentioned uh double stumpers today is going to be a double stumper you know right. Why I can't just do one on the on the hundredth episode. We've we've got to do something a little bit more for this. So mm-hmm. here's our here's today's first studio Simon Stumper. Aside from the number forty two, which has been retired across both major and minor league baseball, the Oklahoma City Dodgers have retired only one uniform number. So our first studio Simon. Studio, it's my own segment. I can't even pronounce it. Um, I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed by the, the, this occasion that the balloons, um, the music, it's all very okay. distracting. I know. Okay. So, our first studio, Simon Stumper, today asks Which of these former major leaguers has had his number retired by Oklahoma City? Is it A, Johnny Bench, B, Mickey Mantle? Or C, my favorite player growing up, 
Bobby Mercer. I was afraid that you were going to say Joe Carter because they actually play on Joe Carter way. I think that the Oklahoma City Dodgers, no? I'm shaking my head now. I know where, I know the name of the street they do play. Not only do I know it's not Joe Carter way, so now I'm interested to know what, who does play on Joe Carter way. Right. What's the, what, who plays on Joe Carter way? The Oklahoma City Dodgers. No. They, <laughs> no, it's just not true. It's, it's actually not Joe Carter way. It's Joe Carter Avenue. And I shouldn't have Googled it because it's at the intersection of Joe Carter Avenue and Johnny Bench way. No. Maybe it is, but that's not their address. Their address is neither of those streets. I see. You're right. There's Mickey Mantle Drive. There's Johnny Bench Drive. And then right over here on the side, because I remember this. I remember when I visited, they were the Oklahoma City Red Hawks the first time I visited. And then they were the Oklahoma City Dodgers. And both times, I remember Joe Carter Avenue taunting me because Joe Carter obviously hit the home run that knocked the (laughs) Phillies out of the World Series in 1993. Chris Creamer and I discussed Joe Carter briefly in the uh, in the preceding interview. So I can tell you that when you asked the question, I wondered if the answer was going to be Joe Carter because I did remember that Joe Carter, I thought it was Joe Carter way. But since Joe Carter wasn't one of the options, I will tell you in all sincerity, you know I wouldn't lie to you, that Mickey Mantle jumped right to mind. And I'm pretty sure that he's from Oklahoma City. But... Uh, the, the the party mood here at this episode is really soured. You've got a sour look on your face, but I can tell no, you. I'm just, <laughs> no, I, I'm actually not. I, let me explain my uh, the look on my face. We, we we started off this stumper by talking about how we I agree with everything you say. I'm actually <laughs> going to correct you on something. So, um, all right. Uh, but you haven't yet yet given my answer. My answer, when you gave me that that trio of names, the answer I was going to go with was Mickey Mantle. That would seem like the answer, especially when the stadium address is to Mickey Mantle Road or Drive. Again, I don't, I'm sorry for not remembering which one that is. But the, the thing that you stated was you're pretty certain that Mickey Mantle was um, from Oklahoma City and that is actually not the case. Johnny Bench and Bobby Mercer were both born in Oklahoma City, but Mickey Mantle, um, he was born somewhere about two hours away, and his nickname was the Commerce Comet. Also, the Mick, people would call him the Mick, but he was the Commerce Comet because even though he was born in a different city, he grew up in Commerce, Oklahoma. And that's where the name The Commerce Comet comes from. Whereas Johnny Bench and Bobby Mercer were both born in Oklahoma City. So to me, it's all, it's interesting that I'm assuming Joe Carter w- was born in or grew up in Oklahoma City. I'm just assuming that based on the fact that they've got a street they're named for him, as they do for Johnny Bench. But it's interesting that they do. They also have a street for Mickey Mantle, born in Oklahoma, but not Oklahoma City specifically. But even though Johnny Bench is the bigger name compared to the other possible answer, Bobby Mercer, Bobby Mercer is the answer to today's Studio Simon Stumper. Wow. Uh, And one of the reasons I know this is um, because I was commissioned by, at the time, the Oklahoma City Redhawks, specifically by the 
managing partner and part owner at the time, Scott Pruitt, who later was a member of former President Trump's cabinet um, and resigned in, in disgrace. <laughs> but I can tell you this, from um, uh, my time working with him, I, an absolute gentleman who I, my experiences with him were nothing but positive. So, um, so anyway, I'll say that about Scott Pruitt, who hired me to, to design a logo for featuring, it was either going to feature Bobby Mercer or Bobby Mercer's number. Um, and it, it was going to be, my understanding was the first of several, if not many, um, people honored in this fashion by having their number retired. And it says Oklahoma's own. It says Bobby Mercer, Oklahoma's own. And there were going to be other Oklahoma's own people. But as, as of th that, that I did 15 or more years ago. Uh, and it's still the only player honored as one of Oklahoma's own by the Oklahoma City now Dodgers. Um, well, I can tell you, Dan, that of the three names that you gave me, Bobby Mercer would have been my fourth guess after Mickey Mantle, Johnny Bench, Joe Carter, who I would have inserted as an option because I thought that's what it was going to be. And now Bobby Mercer. I did look it up, by the way. Joe Carter was indeed born in Oklahoma City. Okay. So um, I mentioned that we've got a double stumper today. So our, you ready for the nightcap? Yeah, let's bring. I got to shake off. That was a. That was a. That was like a three error over four. You know, with four strikeouts. I took the collar on that first one there, so I need to shake that off and uh, end the hundredth episode on a on a strong note here. Okay. Well, our nightcap stumper asks, what number has been retired the most times in Major League Baseball? Can I take a guess before before you give me the options? Can I take a guess? Of course you can. We that 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 there are no rules here in Studio Simon Stumpers, so go right ahead. So I do a I have a Facebook page that I don't talk about very often called Countdown to Spring Training, where I count down the days until spring training starts by featuring a player's uniform number uh, each day. So you know, like Steve Carlton Day would be thirty two days until spring training begins, that sort of thing. I feel like the number where I have the hardest time choosing a player because there are just so many good ones, is 27. <laughs> that seems kind of like a random number. I would not think of 27 as the first number that comes to mind as something that would have been retired. Like uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure I can name a number 27. And and I, I know players and uniform numbers. Matter of fact, when I'm trying to remember something, I always, it, here's an example. If I had to remember a lock combination, and if it was, I, I would remember it by remembering like three players, and not even necessarily baseball. You know, thirteen for Wilt Chamberlain, or or um, uh, hockey number four for Bobby. Or I'm dating myself here because these That's are okay. players from from years ago. But uh, uh, you know, eight for Kobe Bryant. You know, mm -hmm. I, that's how I re how I remember numbers and twenty seven. Off the top of my head, can't even name one. So give me, can you name one or more? 
Mike Trout, Scott Rowland, Carlton Fisk, Juan Marichal, Vlad Guerrero. There's a bunch of them. A lot of 27s out there. Are you doing that off the top of your head? These are ones I know because I I because I've researched this for the countdown to spring training. So yeah. it's it's not really off the top of my head because I have the research. I've, I have it in my back pocket. So so okay. anyway, so so now that I know that it's not 27, uh, I'm I'm curious to know what my what my three options are. Okay. Um here are your three options. 20 24 or 32. Whoa, I said 32. That's funny. I'm going to go 32, Steve Carlton. And that's the first player I, th well, not first, but that's one of the players I think of with 32. Also, Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax, right? Um, yeah. Footballer Jim Brown. Um, uh, Elston Howard, whose number is retired by the Yankees, uh, his 32. Um, but the correct answer here, let me just tell you, first of all, the number 27, which we talked about, has only been retired three times. And the you probably named all three of them. I, I would imagine Juan Marichal. Give me a couple of the others you mentioned. Uh, well, Mike Trout. Still playing, so not retired. Right, right, right. Scott Rowland. Carlton Fisk? Carlton Fisk, I'm sure, is retired by the Red Sox. Vlad Guerrero? Yeah, probably his is somewhere. So anyway, um, the, the correct answer here is 20. It uh, has uh, it has been retired 12 times. Wow. But there's kind of a caveat there. Three of those times is are are for one player mm. from whose number was retired by different teams. Frank Robinson has had his number retired by his first team, the Cincinnati Reds, his second team, the Baltimore Orioles, and the team for which he became the first African-American uh, to manage a Major League Baseball team, the Cleveland Indians. And so, and by the way, when he was the manager of the Cleveland Indians, he was a player manager. And in, in yep. his very first at-bat as a player manager, I think he inserted himself as a pinch hitter. He hit a home run. So, <laughs> it, was, it was a good move. It was a good managerial <laughs> move on his part. <laughs> um, and so um, the number... That has been retired the second most times is the number 10, which has been retired coincidentally 10 times. And interestingly, four of those times, speaking of managers, four of those number 10s were managers. Um, <laughs> Tony La Russa by the St. Louis Cardinals, Sparky Anderson by the Cincinnati Reds, Dick Hauser by the Kansas City Royals, and Tom Kelly by the Minnesota Twins. And with regard also to the number 10 being retired 10 times, one team, the Montreal Expos, retired the number 10 for two different players. Oh. Um, Rusty Staub and Andre Dawson, or Andre Dawson, I guess. Is, it's Andre Dawson. So, and here's, here's another notable number in addition to your the 100th uh, episode being notable. Um, the highest number retired for a player, his name was mentioned earlier by you, is, is Carlton Fisk's huh? 72. Now, you mentioned him as a 27. Huh? He was number 27 for the Red Sox. He then was traded to, I don't think he was traded, probably signed as a free agent by the Chicago White Sox. Um, and 
somebody I can't tell you off the top of my head either had was currently wearing number 27 for the team, or maybe they retired that for somebody. Um, so it was not available for him. So he just switched those numbers around and wore number 72 for the White Sox. And um, that was, so his number is retired by the White Sox. I have a very distinct memory of him wearing those White Sox uniforms where they had the uniform number on the pant leg. One of the other sort of interesting things that's happened with uniform numbers is during the COVID year, a lot of players got called up from the minors just over the course of the year because, you know, they had to, there were teams that would have outbreaks or exposure and then they would have to call up players. And at one point, I remember like half the Marlins team was called up from the minors. And they finally, it took until 2020, but every double digit uniform number was used in the in Major League Baseball. And so now every single double digit number has been worn in a Major League Baseball game. Well, that is an, an interesting thing. And uh, you also pointed out another interesting thing. The the White Sox during the 70s um, wore a uniform that had pants with the number on the front of the pants, um, like on the thigh. And that but that was not the first team to do that. The Houston Astros, when they had what was referred to as their tequila sunrise um, uniform, which had stripes from you know the waist up to the chest. Um, and because of those stripes, arguably there was no place on the front of the uniform for what we call in the sports branding business, the TV number, the number on the front of a jersey. Um, but I say that arguably because on the back, those stripes went around the uniform, they were on the back too, and there was a circle, a white circle, might have been black, I don't remember off the top of my head, um, in which, over those stripes, in which the number was was located. So that's how they handled the back. They could have done that on the front as well, but they didn't. Instead, they put it on the pant leg. So. It's been done twice in Major League Baseball history. I don't think any other team ha has done it. And I think that's something we need to bring back. I, I, I love I'm, that idea. I'm design, I design a lot of uniforms, not so much in the major leagues. I've done some in the majors, but um, uh, certainly in minor league baseball. And I never thought to bring back numbers on the, uh, the, on the, on the pants, but <laughs> why not numbers on the butt? Numbers on the butt. <laughs> which I think should be the title of this episode. <laughs> Numbers on the butt. Some team did something on the butt of the, the pants. You might, if when I bring this up, you might remember. It's like but, Crabzilla. Yes, there you go. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, yeah. What, what, let's give a shout out to them. What team was that? It was the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. They did their Crabzilla uniform based on a sandwich. What a way to end the 100th episode by talking on numbers of butts of uniforms. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for being a part of the, the big celebration here. And as always, we'll see you next week. Um, congratulations again on your 100th episode. Looking forward to seeing you for episode 101.